we're dedicating a shout out to our mates at Calm. That's the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. It's tragic that suicide is the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45. But it's also avoidable. So if you're having a rough time, Calm's helpline and web chat are open 5 till midnight every single day. Find them at thecalmzone.net or you can call them from 5pm until midnight, 365 days of the year on 0800 58 58 58. And welcome back to the News Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White. And with me today, we have a full list, a full house, rather. Already fucked it up, haven't you? Yeah. Brilliant. Da, 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 da. We're working with a tired Andy today. <coughs> anyway, Martin Theobald. Yo. And Terry Chavandama. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. <laughs> How are you, Andy? You look very tired. I'm very... Actually, that is it. I'm just tired. Hungover, tired. I was hungover earlier. I can't really have that excuse anymore. I'm sort of... I'm all right now. Just the tiredness. Because you know, sometimes you just got to shit it out and then just proceed from there. Like, <laughs> I think I think generally once you dump out all the toxins, mm. oh, yeah, you just, okay. so it's a purification. It's so good, useful to have a doctor on, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so once I've shit it out, how will I feel after that? Will I feel... Will I be ready for work tonight, for example? Listen, you feel like Kel Brook watching a Village People tribute act. <laughs> Why? It's fun to stay at the YMCA. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. We've been practicing this off air. Like, try, we, we, we did I our want America. We did our mic I want test. America and, uh, to put it up He listened to himself bum. back and he went, no, I've got to soften that. <laughs> Probably, definitely, the worst start we've ever made. Well, well, I think it might be the worst one we've released. <laughs> okay, right. So, uh, have you got any stories in the weekend? No, I'm. Uh, what have I done? To, I've been on a bike ride with the kids. I went to a little splash home place with uh, kids and wife up at Willen Lake, and then uh, come home, got changed, grabbed some dinner, come here. But I got changed because I was, I was quite. I went in the splash zone. I wasn't really intending on it, but there's these little slides and things are quite cool. But just, it just draws you in. Yeah, I was thinking I could bike ride home from the back of it, and like then I dry off. But it wasn't as warm, so like, I was still a little bit damp. It was, <laughs> it was like my wife when she's watching Peaky Blinders, that kind of damp. It was uh, at this point. I hope Claire's listening. No, it's not that damp at all. Like, it's a completely different type of damp. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, Andy White arose from his slumber. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Terry? I think she likes Kitty Murphy. I think she's a big fan. <laughs> she doesn't tell me. But... I, I allegedly walked 30 kilometers yesterday. Allegedly? Yeah, I, I thought it was 28.7, but I'll take 30. Doing what? Walking. 
That's how it works, Martin. Oh, I didn't know <laughs> no. you were going somewhere. No, no, you. no. So, so Winnie popped down and she was like, I've got a training walk I need to do. Shout we, we, out Winnie King. Yeah, we've got a walk. Well, I think we had to beat 15K. So we did 30. So it was literally from Elephant and Castle to Covent Garden. Could have got the tube. It's a lot easier. Well, yeah. But I can't, can't, it would be a bit pointless walking on the tube, right? <laughs> Just keep walking mm-hmm. on the, you know. <laughs> and no, no. So I think we ended, we ended as far west as Putney and then came all the way back into Wandsworth before then realising there's more to life than walking. Good effort. And best of luck to Winnie in her walk. Yeah. So I think it's a 20 mile walk. Uh, but well, she showed she can do it. So yeah, you know, we're hoping for world records. Mo Farah let us down today. So, you know, one down, one to go. Oh, what? Well, he was supposed to go for the win, wasn't he? Or? Well, he was meant to go for the win this but, time and then the record next year or something like where that. Where did he come? Uh, third. Oh. Two minutes off the pace. No, Mo, no, Mo. No. Right. Maybe he'll get worse asthma for next year. He can take a few more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just uh, texting Salazar going, yeah, I know. I miss you too. <laughs> um, okay. Should we talk about last night's action? Might as well. What's for you? Uh, on the Khan card, <coughs> we had... Right, so we won't talk about Khan just yet. We'll save that until later. Because there's obviously a mass... You have to do a, a play-by-play breakdown of that enormous marathon of a fight. It, well, yeah. So we'll go for <coughs> Ben Chris Truman. <sighs> Again, ben. this... Look, what they've done is fantastic with Connor Ben. <laughs> I tweeted this out the other day. Somebody... I read it on Facebook. You know one of these like boxing groups on Facebook that are terrible. Um, oh, that's it. It was match rooms. But uh, <laughs> they put a low down the card. And some I read some comment from somebody. I've no idea who it was. It said like, "Oh, this card's terrible. I'm going to turn it off after the Conor Ben fight." I'm like, the Conor Ben fight's terrible. <laughs> your penis. <laughs> if that's your highlight of it, arguably it is because the rest of the card's pretty trash as well. But Conor Ben's fighting a guy who's lost his last four fights in a row at the weight division below, and they drag him up for Conor Ben as a bit of a, a confidence booster after that Paynow fight. He what happened to Paynow? I thought that was going to be the rematch. That was the rematch, wasn't it? They built it up and built it up, and then went, nah, what's Chris Truman up to this weekend? Yeah, Paynow was like, I take his head off. Like, nah, 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 too much. I have a theory on Conor Ben. I think people get behind him because you get to see Nigel Ben. I genuinely think that is why people want to see O'Connor Ben fight because Nigel's kind of floating around, isn't he? If you took Nigel Ben away from it, you're not that interested anymore because it's like, well, you look at him now and you're like, you got at least 10 more learning fights. Yeah. I I don't have time for that. But he was meant to be fighting um, Isaac McLeod, an eliminator for the English title. Then Isaac went and joined the same gym with... uh, Peter Sims, I think, rather than Tony. And so that fight kind of got pulled. Um, but there's no way. He shouldn't be near an English title eliminator right now. He should. St- I know we've said it before, so let's not labour on it too much. But he should be away from Sky, just learning his trade somewhere. It's a perfectly reasonable fight for him. I just hate all the, the rhetoric that comes with it. That It's not needed. It's <laughs> what, what, rhetoric that? in boxing. Who'd have thought? <laughs> no, no, but, but it, it's really embarrassing when you're hearing guys like Paul Smith talking about yeah he's great he throws the same punches as his father if you look he's got a lot of his father in him you can really see that he's got that look see how he throws that left hook it's like his father it's like his and everything was in reference to Nigel Ben to the point where Connor's almost become an irrelevance now it is literally it's a pastiche of how much can we resurrect Nigel because we're selling Nigel Ben now 
I'd still rather watch Nigel right now. He yeah. looks trim. <laughs> you said about Paul Smith. I was chatting with a boxer the other week. I won't name who it was. Um, you know, everyone says Paul Smith's a really nice guy. Like he gets a bad time on social media. The boxer's like, nah, he's a dickhead. <laughs> Just a nah, he's a dickhead. Don't know if it's true. Allegedly. Um. But no, um, no. But I think just to just to almost to, to box off the Conor Ben thing, you wouldn't stick him in with Sergio Bomo at the moment. You would you wouldn't stick him in with anyone with a chin and anyone, anyone dangerous. Yeah, you wouldn't. So so then, as a boxing fan, you're looking at that, going, "What am I meant to be getting excited about?" And the answer is, I don't know. But there are people out there that aren't necessarily boxing fans, but you know the ones where boxing crosses over into their interests that are excited about Conor Ben. That's tragic. But again, that's testament to how well Sky do it. Yeah, and the thing is, he's such a likable kid as well. And I'm looking, I'm like, number one, why is he at 147? Like, if you've ever stood next to Conor Ben, he's never a welterweight. Like, when you stand next to Josh Taylor, who's not even a welterweight, and he towers over Conor Ben, it's, it's slightly worrying because, and we'll, we'll come on to the Charlos later. If you look at the weight classes in boxing and how tall people have suddenly become, like, you know, Jesus Christ, Jared Hurd's a prime example of that. And one for the Twitterverse. Can anyone tell me who the six foot seven light middleweight <laughs> is? Yeah. So, so you've got real freaks out there right now who can really dig. And Conor Ben's slightly undersized at 147 at the moment. That I think it but feels he's so stacked and so dense, isn't he? Like lose some of that yeah. muscle density out of him. Shouldn't be too hard. Um, Sam Eggington and Anthony Fowler. Well, I can't bother to talk about their fights because they were pointless fights. Like, genuinely pointless fights. Um, so you let them fight each other? And it can just be who's the most pointless of the two? <laughs> who would be the most pointless? With the, the one who won or the one who lost? What if it was a draw? It's uh, one of these making things. the fight. I'd, I'd get CJ Ross pointless. to judge that fight and <laughs> yeah. it would just be a draw. I think I'd be cheering on Eggington because Eggington's like this burster of myths that you need to have this pristine amateur background. So when he took out Frankie Gavin, and Frankie Gavin, world amateur champion, we all know the story there, ill-disciplined. Sam Eggington comes from potentially being a journeyman, accidentally almost wins prize fighter, and then goes and starts a career for himself. Um, you know, he's limited. He's so limited. I'd love to see him smash Fowler. I absolutely love it. Would anyone not love to see Fowler get smashed? I'm not... I'm not I, I mean, yeah... I, yeah, I just love to see his face get pounded in. No, but but here, here's the dilemma. Honestly, you would. He's just such a horrible, ratty bloke. You look at him and go, oh, fucking... Yeah, he's like the sort of bloke that tried to sell you rip-off tracksuits on a council estate somewhere. You're like, fuck off, leave me alone. I, I'm conflicted because I'm like... The way I look at it, I look at Fowler as this, like... Is he more insufferable when he's winning or more insufferable when he loses? I, I don't really know. Because remember when he got knocked out at the Olympics? It didn't seem to shut him up, did it? It was just more... It was to, all excuses. Yeah, no, no, no. It was, it was about learning. I want to learn from that. It's going to make me a better pro. No, oh, for fuck's sake. But, but look, the audience are now listening going, where's their normal energy? This is what Hearn cards do to us, Right. They just suck the life out of stuff. They, they, they do. They suck the life out of you. you. You look at that list and you go, why? You know, you know like, you know, you know those Muppets like Anthony Lever and Frank Smith, they probably sit there when this card's announced, you know, boxers by their ankles just beating it off going, wow, like, haven't we done well here? 
But the only the only thing I can say for it, the only explanation for it, is that it was there to cock block the Frank Warren show over in Belfast. Stop some of the viewers from tuning into that. It's the only reason I can think you would put a, a card on. That's th- it's a throwaway card. It was literally a throwaway card. It was so bad. Um, that you might just put that on as cheap as it was. Because you look at all that home side, they're cheap. You look at all the away side, they were cheap. And then you've got Amir Khan, who presumably isn't that cheap. And then Le Greco, who, I mean, I think we could afford him around this table. Like, I don't think that's a problem. But it was that bad that I think you just put on something that's relatively cheap with a a name that will attract the casual viewers just to try and pull people away from BT Sport. That's the only explanation I can but, see. But, but you know what? And I, here's my theory on this. When when they put that date in the calendar, they were expecting Billy Joe to box Martin Murray. So Billy Joe versus Martin Murray one week, straight into Frampton versus Dene. Now that's a pretty strong run from Frank. So I think had had the first card come off, I think you would have seen a stronger Liverpool card. I think once Hearn realised Billy Joe wasn't going to fight, I think they just tuned it down and went, <laughs> half the budget. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Okay, Dodd versus Coyle. You sound really bored by this already, Andy. We're only like five minutes in, are you? <laughs> <laughs> you don't even want to be here. Well, I'm looking, forward, <laughs> I'm looking forward to at least talking about the calm bit, but I mean, Dodd versus Coyle. I don't even know who those two are. <laughs> And I'm going to have no point beating around the bush. Is it, is it Tommy Coyle? It is Tommy Coyle. Uh, well hey! done. Um, so, yeah. And who Dodd? Ken. Ken Dodd. <laughs> it was in Liverpool. <laughs> Isn't he dead? Yeah, he tried about... Well, not yesterday, ago. though. Well, as if that would have stopped him being in the away corner last night. <laughs> <laughs> as if that was a problem. Um, so, yeah, Sean Dodd, Tommy Coyle, Commonwealth, lightweight title fight. As I was about to say, yeah. Um... It was good. It was like, it's two lads that are, uh, they have ceilings that we probably already recognise. So I think Tommy Coyle, his best win, that was last night. But other than that, you're looking at an incredibly washed up, brain damaged Michael Katsidis. That's not even being horrible. Like, Katsidis, I think he was turned down for for a licence to box over here once. And then after that, came and fought Coyle, I'm fairly sure. Um, So... Coyle, I saw so many comments over the first round, first two rounds, saying, ah, Tommy Coyle's gun shy, like he's shot, blah, blah, blah. I just thought, nah, because Coyle, Coyle can always go. He can always go. Like, uh, he's not the best by any means, but he's always got something there. He's a, a fighter. Remember he did that with Rakeem Noble. Everyone was watching him against Rakeem Noble, and Noble had a good kind of first round and a half, and you're like, oh. And then when Cole decided to switch it up, then it didn't. He <laughs> was only one winner after that. But yeah, um, but Sean Dodd, I think he's been he's been like a fan favorite. He's been building momentum. Um, another one who's done it the hard way, come from a very very hard background, um, living hand to mouth for a period of time. So he's a likable enough bloke. But Coyle just he, he was detonating last night, like. I don't know what it was, but it was the best performance we've seen out of Coyle for a while. He used a jab well, but that right hand, the overhand right that caught um, Dodd, because he dropped him. And then it, was it the second one where Dodd went back like Matrix style and like somehow <laughs> managed not to hit, hit the, the canvas <laughs> and then got himself back up like some 
somehow got back up just to be met by Tommy Coyle, stood there, like, ready to throw the left, but then, like, just clipped him, sent him over properly. But are we getting to the point where we've got to start saying there's something happening at that, I want to say Salford City Boxing Club, where Jamie Moore, Nigel, Nigel and Kelvin Travis, um, and all, also all the lads who are around there, because we all thought, well... We discussed this after the Rakeem Noble thing, didn't we? Uh, Tommy Coyle is the bottom end of the televised guys, in my opinion. So he's that guy who I'd never expect to be British champion, but you can put him on a televised card and he can deliver a product on TV. So he's a level above some a lot of the small hall guys without being too good to compete in the small hall scene, if that makes sense. Yeah, he's not going to beat Lewis Ritson. No. But he's better than a lot of the small hall guys around that way. Yeah, so for him... Like to find a performance like this, okay, Masha Dodd's not the best, but we we kind of thought it would go longer than it did, and so you've got to kind of give the new environment credit, even if Jamie hasn't taught him anything new. There's something in that environment that's brought out a performance in Tommy Coyle. He was sparring Frampton for it. Like you can't underestimate how good. I know Frampton's smaller, yeah, but you can't underestimate how good that sparring would have been for Tommy Coyle going into this fight. And they released a few clips of it, and it was quality, quality sparring. And so he's never probably had that. But well, yeah. no, he wouldn't have had that before. Um, maybe for his last fight, but you know that learning experience in the gym yeah. for him will be priceless. Yeah, and you, yeah, look, I I think I've talked about this numerous times on here. About seventy percent of a boxer's success is down to the environment they're in. If you're in an, in an environment where the standards are super high, thanks, Andy. If you're in an environment where the standards are super high and you're a competitor by nature, you will raise your level. And so maybe that's what's happening with Tommy Coyle. You're around someone like Frampton, who is actually really demanding and sparring. So he's a, he's a guy who goes, he goes balls out normally. So it's, it's those sorts of things. When you're training up in Hull, you, are you really around people who are your level or better? Hard to be. So he's now in an environment where day in, day out, he's around quality. I was just showing Terry a really interesting shadow puppet on the wall, and that's why he said thank you, Andy. Were you? Yeah. Uh, okay. I, yeah. I missed that. Yeah, I know, yeah. It was a skunk. Yeah. <laughs> very, very <laughs> skillful. Um, right, so <clears throat> Kieran Nelson asks, is Amir Khan underappreciated by you, uh, hardcore UK boxing fans? He's always looked to fight the best in his division, and win or lose, has never had a dull fight. And other divisions, not just his own, to be fair. He's, uh, he's flown up to uh, middleweight. But So why is it okay to dislike Khan? <laughs> no, he's know. a dislikable bloke. Yeah. He's a really dislikable bloke. He's surrounded himself with fairly scummy people over time. Um, yeah, like... It's hard to like him, I find. It's, it's not hard to dislike him at all. Disliking him comes naturally for me. And then liking him is actually quite difficult. But from a professional perspective, he's been brilliant. And we shouldn't underestimate... You were going to... Well, only that there was a big period of time where he just went just totally almost inactive, waiting to fight Mayweather or Pacquiao. Yeah, that's the biggest problem that and he's that got. Was, that, he's, that was deeply irritating because he lost all momentum. He's chased know. money fights, not all through his career, kind of through the latter part as we are now. And he said himself that's why he ended up taking the Canelo fight was because he chased those other fights and they just never came off. I, 
I like Amir Khan and I never know why. But when you look at his career, I always ask this question, how many rounds has Khan lost? If you were to total up the number of rounds Amir Khan's boxed, he's probably lost about 10 or 15%. Like, because he brings an attack that I don't think you can have an answer to. Like, the people who have beaten Amir Khan have had one of two things, either just insane engines where you then have to ask questions, as in Peterson, or they've just got timing. And like Canelo's a pretty good timer of punches. Danny Garcia's a notoriously good timer of punches. I think most other people will struggle. I think Thurman struggles against Amir Khan. You know, those sorts of guys will struggle because Khan is reasonably heavy-handed. Um, I, I saw his physique yesterday. It wasn't the Amir Khan we're used to. You know, make of that what you will. <laughs> but What was he doing for those two years? Training um, hard. Skyping. <laughs> what why look here here here's a tip i know we have a majority male audience i don't believe for one second if, if any women want to tweet a response to this please by all means do so videos and images of you wanking i can't possibly do anything for a woman like <laughs> that's just entrapment like if a woman's asking you to do that she's just entrapping you simple as don't do it. You don't need to. Just offer her money for sex. It's easy in the long run. <laughs> Dr. Chapman Dharma stops in again. Yeah, mate. I, I'm, I'm like Dr. Phil. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's yeah. life advice. But, no, but, but for me, Amir Khan, I mean, brought a silver medal home for GB at a time as when... As a child as well. 17 years old, at a time when we weren't taking boxing that seriously. Like, you know, he was in squads with good people like Darren Barker and stuff. And Amir Khan was the guy who, who stepped up and stepped over. So, you know, congratulations to him. You know, he's been around all of these guys. I think there's a picture uh, of him, Tony Bellew and Pricey as youngsters, which shows you how long he's been in the sport. He just, when you surround yourself with, I mean, idiots, I guess this is what happens. But I think when we look back on Amir Khan's career, we'll say he never ducked a challenge. And so respect him for that. I think so, the problem will be, we'll look back and say, never ducked a challenge. He beat some very, very good names. The Maidana fight, brilliant. But he could have done so much more. In the same way that we'll look at the Gale almost and say, like, you could have done so much more. And with Khan, it was that almost 18-month hiatus of just chasing Pacquiao and Mayweather and hoping, you know, like almost begging them for a fight. It's embarrassing yeah. at times. And I still believe, like, this Manny Pacquiao almost retirement world tour that he's on, it wouldn't surprise me if tomorrow Khan went, I don't want Brooke, I want Manny Pacquiao. Like, after he's finished with, is it Lucas Matisse he's yeah. fighting? Um, after he's finished with Matisse, I'll have him over here. Wouldn't surprise me at all. But Matisse would have been a good first fight back for Khan. That would have been a statement fight. If he got someone like a Matisse for that card on the 21st, we probably wouldn't have watched Frampton. We'd have been like, oh. Amir Khan's not messing around. But Are you suggesting Phil LaGreco wasn't a worthwhile <laughs> opponent last night? <laughs> look, uh, let's, let, let, look let, let's go back to 2016. Um, about May the 10th, 2016. Wasn't it Eddie Hearn who did his Prince in the scene where he was like, if I was Amir Khan, I'd really consider whether I want to carry on or not. Let's remember that was Hearn's view the last time Amir Khan fought. Khan hasn't fought since then. I think he should retire. After that performance and after that knockout, I don't see why he would carry on, was basically Eddie Hearn's message. So 
to hear her talk about Khan yesterday was quite interesting to go, well, what have you seen between that fight and this fight that suddenly changed your mind, Edward? He's got a lot to give. I'm glad he didn't decide to retire. I wouldn't have advised that at the time and I haven't now. But, and, but and, Eddie, we've got, yeah. we've got videos. No, no, no. And without me wishing to be a wanker, I found it really interesting that in everything Hearn has said post-fight, He's leaning towards Khan over Brook all of a sudden. Yeah, like, like it's, it's 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 naked. It's, it's, it harks back to that story of um, it was Foreman versus Frazier in was it in Jamaica? Was that and, the one where Don King went in <laughs> in with one fighter, out with the other? Went in with Frazier, <laughs> but basically comes in with Frazier. The fight ends, and in the whole melee that you know the post-fight melee in the ring, you suddenly see Don King with George Foreman. <laughs> Like, he doesn't even wait for the... Just literally that night, he's straight there like, hey, George, how would you like to fight Muhammad Ali? We can make that happen for you. <laughs> and Hearn was that naked as well when you, when you heard him because Hearn... I just want to go back to that same period of time. Khan doesn't want the Brook fight. Khan, Khan knows he can't fight Kel. Khan knows he can't do this. Khan knows he can't do that. He's scared of Kel Brook. You've got them in the ring together you're their promoter and once did you say i want to see this fight happen i'm going to make these guys offers they can't refuse for this fight to happen it's all very well saying ah oh, you know before i was thinking this fight was bolton now i'm thinking this fight's wembley and all that sort of nonsense he's saying i'm like mate you had them in the ring you could have told both <laughs> of those guys you're not fighting anyone before you fight each other that would have been our summer sorted. And can we touch on the fact, why was Kel Brook in the ring? Because if you go back to Joshua versus Parker, Wilder said, I want to come over. D don't ask stupid questions, Babe. <laughs> I want to come over. I'll, I'll come over because I want to get in the ring to confront Joshua afterwards. And there's an interview with her, and I think it's an IFL one, where he says, uh, da, 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 and then uh, stumbles around a bit and then says, well, we can't come into the ring. It's a board rule. You're not allowed into the ring. And like it never stopped Klitschko going in for Joshua. It never stopped Kel Brook last night going in for Khan. <laughs> so it's a board rule when it suits. Yeah. But when it doesn't, then you can kind of ignore that. Um, you have to be a license holder to go into the ring, by the way. Just a, just a, sorry, sorry to jump in. Um, I just want to say congratulations. There's a kid called Ben Reese who's just won the light heavyweight ABAs. I've watched this guy. He he beat one of my lads on Friday. Um if if the if the Northern lads, the British boxing board, know Ben Reese, Jesus Christ, this kid, he this kid looks special. So he might he might be the guy we send to Tokyo in twenty twenty. Um, the kid is relentless, man. I've I haven't seen a work rate like that at eighty one for a long time. So congratulations to him. That lets you know this is live. Well, uh, as live as it can be. They're like, yeah, we heard about that yesterday, Terry. When they finally <laughs> listened to this. Um, what license are you talking about? Sorry. I mean, you said you've got to have a license holder. You have to have a board license to get into the ring. Is that a boxing license? No, boxing no, trainer, second. Boxing trainer, second. Oh, Timekeeper. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, referee, whatever. Right. So apparently, Vlad Vladimir's got his British board seconds license, which is why he went in. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? No, no. So when I saw Vlad last year, and he was just like, well, if. He just basically said, look, if Chris Smedley can get his license, anyone can get one. And I was like, no, that's not how it works. Right? <laughs> Show some respect to Chris Medley. You know? Shout out to the Sheffield boxers doing well in the ABAs as well. Wow. Um, so, yeah, no, the whole, the whole getting Brooke into the ring with Khan. A lot of people said, like, oh, Khan's body language said he doesn't want that fight. I actually thought he did it really well in that he just stood there and went, 
I'm the one who's joined your promoter. I'm the one who's chased you. Now, you can't say I don't want it. I've done all these things. And then he just like gave the microphone over and walked off, leaving Brooke with his like dick in his hand in the middle of the ring going, Oh, nah, baby. He's going to sort me out. Yeah, uh, oh, no. Nah, I want, uh, he's got the worst banter in the world as well, Kel Brook. And I don't know if it's because of that very softly spoken voice that he's got. But his like his shit talk is terrible. But he's just slow, isn't he? Like I'm a mate. You've had years to come up with lines for Amir Khan. Like you should just have him ready. Yeah, you've had long enough. This isn't like this just started last week. Le Greco had him ready for the press conference uh, when he started he... mouthing off about his wife and uh... and Joshua being the dad of his kid. Yeah, like Le Greco had it all lined up. We all want, <laughs> well, we'd all want to see the first picture of that kid, right? <laughs> But Le Greco had it all lined kid up. It comes out at 16 pounds. <laughs> but Le Greco had it all lined up, ready to go at that press conference. Kel Brook had time to prepare for last night. It was just the worst patter that you're ever going to hear out of somebody trying to get a fight. It was, it was awful. Um, <sighs> so do you think Khan is underappreciated? Yeah. yeah. I think that's think- fair. I think that's fair. I think, and, and I think someone tweeted this, and it was interesting, and it was... Don't underestimate the impact of him being a vocal Muslim it has on his perception. So is Joshua, though. <clears throat> yeah, but look, in, we've seen him in the mosque. But look what, look what happened. Do you remember when he put that picture up? And people Sunglasses were like, on. People were like, unfollow, don't like this. I'm not buying another ticket of yours again. Like the, the, the responses to that picture were crazy. And you notice he's never pulled that stunt again. But the two differences, you know, like... Amir Khan is a devout Muslim. Now, granted, he tells us all the time because he goes off doing his charity work and he doesn't do it necessarily... Well, he probably does do it for philanthropist reasons and being able to help out, but... And tax reasons. Yeah, it kind of sours it a bit when you then plaster it all over social media all the time. You're like, Uh, maybe do it once, but don't do it all the time. Check Uh, out what I'm doing, everyone. How much of a nice guy and great guy am I? Yeah, it it, it does feel a little bit like that. But Mm. yeah, then you had Joshua rock up into a mosque with like him and his mates taking a photo in a mosque of him in sunglasses. (laughs) Like praying. Remember remember when he was trying to justify that? Like, yeah, I was just like seeing what it was like to pray. You're like, no, mate, you were praying. You're ready for prayer. Like, like, well, you're going to go into someone else's mosque and go, yeah, you're just having a laugh here. I mean, that's the wrong part of the world to do that in, as you well know. You know Joshua's there, like, yeah, I'm thinking of converting. If you, um, okay, well, that's wonderful. If you if you come to pray at this at this mosque, um, I've just tell you to be respectful. Here are your mirrored sunglasses, and uh, <laughs> here's your guide to selfie mode on your phone. Um, <laughs> Some skull candy headphones. You put so, them around your neck. Just uh, a, beats, mate. So beats. just oh, just, just yeah, so just a quick one, right? <laughs> Do not cross contaminate your sponsorship deal. So has, has anyone has anyone noticed how there's seemingly been this negotiation within Team AJ that he's allowed his Snapchat account, all other accounts he's not allowed to publish anything. So what you end up with is his Twitter account is really I'm blocked from a, that. Yeah, it's really acidine and dull and boring and corporate. His Instagram is little little. I mean, reveals a little bit more. But on his Snapchat, follow his stories like AJ AJ is Lewis Farrakhan, man. Like fucking hell. He Oh mate, all that stuff I like, don't always believe what you read in the media and all that sort of stuff. He I mean when they leave him to, to do stuff like that, then you see kind of I think the real AJ, which you know, he may as well just put it out there now, because 
people are being to <clears> suss them <throat> out anyway. See, I don't have Snapchat, so fill me in. Because, like, I'm so, old and I don't get it. Snapchat is literally disposable videos, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I get the concept of that. But what's going on in AJ's Snapchat? That... Um, so, number one, he watches a shitload of documentaries about conspiracy theories. Number two, <laughs> watches a lot of YouTube videos of fights that he could realistically be paying for. But then, it's some of the messages he puts in his, his images where he'll just say, look, racism's deeper than you guys think it is. You know the sort of stuff that you know he wants to say? But his brand partners probably don't want him to say. Right. So he knows he can say that. And yeah, if you dig around for it, you can find it in 24 hours. But you can't really save it and replicate it because they can find out. So no, it's just interesting how, you know, when they let you leave him loose on it. Yeah. So if you're on Snapchat, yeah, follow, follow good old ghost. <laughs> Is that what he's called? Yeah. Superior Snapchat. <laughs> right. So then they had the Frampton card. No, let's talk about the Carlo Greco fight. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. All right, okay, sorry. We're going to try and do it in under 40 seconds. Okay, well, hold on a minute. You can't... You actually <laughs> <gotta try. laughs> sorry, are you actually going to stop watching this? Yeah, okay, so... Set, go. Le Greco comes in the ring, suddenly realises he's signed to fight Amir Khan. Speedy Gonzalez, knocked out, fight done. That was eight seconds. I think that was probably five too many as well, because... <laughs> We didn't need all that time on it. I'm not sure Le Greco's a boxer. He's a chef, isn't he? He he is. He's got some celebrity chef endorsement thing. And like... Fancy a boxer getting involved in cooking. (laughs) That'd never work. Yeah, but I mean, at least he's sourcing his own meat, eh, Canelo? Um, (laughs) But I'm sure they said last night, and I don't know anything about Phil Le Greco. I know nothing whatsoever about Phil Le Greco. Um, so I'm going to bring up his box rec in front of me now, but I'm sure they said he'd fought um, Errol Spence. I think sure he had stopped him in the third, right? How did he last three rounds with Errol Spence? Last Spence was green back then. Like you know, he didn't. He didn't. That wasn't the Spence we know now. Uh, and also, years and ago. also, Le Greco was more active then. He went ten rounds with Sean Porter. Ten rounds with Sean Porter. That the timing's everything. When you, when you sometimes when you catch a boxer rusty as fuck, there you go. Actually, that would be a good fight, Khan versus Porter. Yeah, I'd enjoy that. Basically, anything that wasn't last night. So, uh, granted, he's been out of the ring for two years, but there was no point to last night. Yeah, what, does he, what does he get from that? He gets nothing from it, nothing at all. Like it was embarrassing. It was just shitty. And Hearn served that up. I say, from my view, only to cock block the Belfast card. Um, just so there's something on Sky so that people, you know, turn their eyes away. But that was embarrassing, like truly embarrassing to have Phil LaGreco there just doing that. It was probably one of the worst, and we've been quite kind to Eddie recently. That was one of the worst Saturday night fight nights that I think we've probably seen maybe of all time. I'm going to struggle to think of anything worse. Off top, Someone tweet me. There's probably stuff that used to happen back in the leisure centre days that uh, that was, but and and it's sad because if you look at that match from stable, there are people there that needed to be fighting in meaningful fights. Why was Jake Ball like? Where's Jake Ball after he fought Miles Shinquin? Where's Jake Ball now? Like they've just left him. He could have had a meaningful fight last night. I think we've said it before. Um, Hearn, Hearn has no interest in those guys without the GB experience, like the GB Olympic experience. I know they're guys who have been in camp, 
But Hearn's lost interest in that because the public don't really resonate. Oh, you were GBR, great, whatever. It's when you're in the Olympics, you've yes. been seen, and it's those sorts of things. So I really feel for Jake Ball. In my own view, Jake's wasting his time at Matchroom. Agree. I'd, I'd have sent him over to anywhere that isn't... In fact, I sent him anywhere because he, he must be high enough rank now where he's knocking on an English or British title shot. Must and, be. And Hearn is not fighting for that. So question for his management where does Jake Ball go and you know what will they do if they don't get that this year because Boatsy at 175 Craig Richards at 175 Frank Bullioni at 175 that's a lot of traffic for Jake Ball to navigate um what does Khan do next <sighs> I don't know because what does I... LaGreco do next that's what we all, <laughs> that's what we all know but I don't feel like you could have asked me that question three days ago, or you could ask me it today. There's literally no difference because that LaGreco <laughs> yeah. fight hasn't told me Khan's fixed his chin problems, which will never happen, granted. Hasn't told me anything apart from the fact that he can still get into a boxing ring. There's nothing else that I learned from last night. So where does he go next? What does he do next? Just fight Brooke. Just fucking fight Brooke and get it over and done with. And the winner can move on and fight for a world title somewhere. The loser can fight Sam Eginton or Anthony Fowler. I, I don't care really what happens to the loser, but what I don't want is another two years of will they, won't they? Because that'll just be awful. It's not so, good so, enough to so, bother waiting that long for exactly. it. Exactly. So my prediction is that fight never happens. Well, as soon as, okay. as as soon as Khan gets traction at one forty seven, he'll just say, Nope, I'm no interest in it. He might pick up a belt, then he'll be like, I'm not fighting Kel for a belt unless he's got a belt. You know, we'll get back to the same nonsense. Deep down, I just don't think Khan wants to fight Brook. I think there are reasons why, but me personally, I'm like, nah. But I, I, did, I did like the press conference, though, didn't we, where, where Hearn was trying to sell the, the why those two should fight each other. And he's like, yeah, I think Kelbrook's really skilled. And Khan was like, but really robotic. And Hearn was like, yeah, yeah. And then Hearn caught himself. He was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, I... I, I... I feel like somewhat immune to the fact if they, they oh, what are they going to do? I, I feel quite nice to the fact, good about the fact that I'll be like, I don't care. But I'll tell you what, if they don't fight one another next and if Khan isn't fighting an Errol Spence or Keith Thurman, then I've lost interest in all of it. All of it. Because Kel Brook, to me, isn't good enough to win a world title at like middle. Amir Khan possibly could beat Errol Spence with that speed and that rapidness that he's got. He could beat Keith Thurman. But if those fights don't happen next, then I don't really care because if if neither of them are fighting one another or for a world title, then we've got another 12 months of bollocks that will come along hand in hand with those two names. And I've had enough of it already. I don't need another 12 months of it. Yeah, like tw 12 months of Khan and in co the whole combination of those 12 months of fights add up to about two minutes. Yeah. For, <laughs> then there's, not, there's no point getting invested in it. But on a side note, how good has Joe Goosen been since he's been here? Because, um, you know, normally you get trainers and they're talking very basic cliches about boxing. And all of a sudden you get Joe Goosen. Is he full-time with Khan now? Um, I think, well, until Verge gets better, let's call him Verge, um, and then I think Khan will have to make a decision because those two are kind of much of a muchness without wishing to disrespect them, but you're talking about two top-level trainers. So Joe Goosen... I mean, if you go back years when he, he had Michael Nunn when he was middleweight, I think, and when he moved up, 
he's had he's had all manner of people. And Joe Goose is one of those trainers you call a fixer. So he'll take a good fighter, fix the basic flaws that have make him a lot better. I don't know if he's a creator of as such, you know, which some trainers are. So some trainers like to take you from scratch and that's how they work best. And some guys don't want to do all the all the hard miles in the beginning. They want to do the finishing. Like Freddie Roach is a prime example. There aren't many people Roach has taken from debut to titles, but if you go to Freddie Roach, he can make the adjustments like he did with Miguel Cotto. But then back to the question about Khan. If you look at who Khan's had training him, Virgil Hunter, we, we respect what he did with Andre Ward. Freddie Roach, you know, speaks for itself. You got Joe Goosen now. And then he had Jorge Rubio. We all forget he had Jorge Rubio before Luke Campbell <laughs> did, right? Which was probably the what, probably the right person to have at the time. And had the Braders Prescott thing not happened, he might have stayed with Rubio. So Khan has been with some of the best boxing minds there are. You know, he was. No, no, Amir Khan was a Rolls Royce who, that kind of turned into a Range Rover. Maybe an overfinched Range Rover. Don't know. <laughs> I was, I was I was getting <clears throat> sat down ready to enjoy what it was going to come out. Uh, what cars are going to come up with? Yeah. Um, okay, before we move on, let's uh, let's get into a couple of questions. Let's go with the live show. Oh. We haven't mentioned that yet. Well, okay, well, I was going to. Okay, that why not? We've mentioned it now, so yeah, we are going live again, uh, round two at the Courtyard Theatre, which is in Old Street. So so for all the people who want to get a sense of where it is, if you think it's a hard place to get to, it really isn't. You're going to come over Old Street and you're just going to walk, literally, just head towards Shoreditch. And I want to remember what the, the bar's called that's got the garden outside. But you walk past, literally walk past the fire station on your right-hand side, keep bombing along to see a Sainsbury's local, do a left. It's just there. <laughs> It's about a six minute walk. A bloke with a dog down the corner, walk straight past him. You need need to save this podcast when you come into (laughs) it in case you get lost. (laughs) And then just listen back to Terry's. Yeah. Yeah, but it's 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 really easy to get to. It's in a great location in terms of, you know, amenities and so forth. It's and it's bigger venue than last time. I think it's less cramped. You should feel a bit more spacious. Um the performance area is sufficient. And, you know, the lady that's been helping us out, Daisy's lovely. I'm sure she want to be part of the movement as well. So, so yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we did it in December. Um, it went down well, I think, from the people that were there. And so we've kind of put a lot of effort in the background and it's taken us a while to find the right place. Theatre's generally a fairly crap again. Back to you about things. This one's fallen into place and I say a lot of effort. So in terms of guest-wise, we're hoping to have uh, Steve Goodwin join us again. Um, who I think is probably the, as much as he's a mate of mine, which is fairly evident, he's also the premium kind of manager-promoter around London area. So if anyone wants to hear about what managers and promoters do or ask questions of it, then it's a prime opportunity to do so. He's also honest and candid and has uh, and will give you um in-depth analysis of parts of the sport that that we don't have we, we don't necessarily He won't know. give you the hern answer. Yeah. He'll give you the honest answer. And I think that but, was what people enjoyed about the first. But I'm going to say I'm not coming if Matt Chander's not there. <laughs> like, uh, Matt Chander sets the moral tone for everything that we do. <laughs> Matt Chander was amazing. Um so Linus Udofia, Um So again, he was on here recently. That was one that uh, 
bit of public demand, really. People saying, get Linus on. He was on the podcast. He came to the live show. Um, good, young, honest professional. Some exciting news coming out about his career very, very soon, hopefully. Um, that will, you know, it, it will move him on a little bit in terms of where he is. Um, so, again, you can come down and ask questions. Dates permitting, Dave Allen will be coming. Um, so that's kind of on the provision that Kel Brook isn't fighting on July 28th because this is on July 26th. I can't remember if we mentioned that. No. Um, no, probably not. So not Thursday evening. Um, so, so anyone in Sheffield that wants to give, you know, Brook a bit of a cut over the eye or something, feel free to, you know. Yeah, make sure Brook isn't fighting <laughs> July 28th. Take him to Tenerife, whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, no, and it's good because when did I say I saw Dave on Monday? He was with, yeah, weird. He was with he was with Anthony the Truth Tomlinson. Those two should honestly do a reality show. Like you can't get two more contrasting characters than those two. But God bless them. You know, Connersborough, nice place. Honestly, fish and chip restaurant they have there, best burger I've ever had. So I saw Dave a couple of weeks back. I played him at table tennis. He was down visiting Babe Station Studios in Milton Keynes. <laughs> And so whilst he was there for the morning, I met up with him in the oh, afternoon. Um, and we went and played table tennis at a leisure centre and then went out for a Nando's with a young local boxer, Connor Wright. Shout out to Connor, who fights May 20th in Bedford. Um, but yeah, it was it was actually really good. Dave was in a good place. Um, he was just, he was in good spirits and it was nice. He was there with a mate of his lovely bloke. So we just chatted for a bit and uh, went and played a bit of table tennis. But hopefully, all being well, he can come down July 26th. Um, yeah, we'll give him the the, the matchroom package. You'll get some women down for you. You know, have your ha- heavy. The have matchroom it. package. <laughs> so, so you don't know about So you know, you know when they get guys down to London to do the commentary and stuff? Yeah. Just, let's just say they're looked after. <laughs> yeah. They're looked after. Um, and, and and when you get looked after like that, it means you're more willing to tow the company line <laughs> in case anything were to leak out. <laughs> Andy. Uh, no, I didn't Because no, I might be paranoid, but do you remember there's a story that came out about Carl Froch allegedly misbehaving? No, I don't. Yeah. So I mean, like, I've got the gist of it from what you've just said. but <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no. So so some, some lady was like, yeah, you know, Carl... Carl's really after me and all this stuff. And you're like, it's a bit funny that these stories come out when Carl's at his most militant. And then he calms down a bit. And he gets militant <laughs> again, you see? Uh, so yeah, we're looking at getting Hannah Rankin, who we mentioned on here a few times. Um, female representation, she's a possibility. And one further one, ex-British, ex-European champion, Clinton McKenzie. So trainer to um, Leon McKenzie, his son, Brother of Duke McKenzie. Um, so Clinton, we're, we're trying to sort dates with as well. So that just gives you a little idea. So we'll be doing the podcast as we do. So it's probably going to be a season ender as well, July 26th. We're unlikely to get together too often in August. So it's a bit of a, just as the other one was an end of year celebration, this would be like an end of the boxing season celebration is the idea. Um, tie it all up. So we'll do a bit of the podcast for... Um, best place, well, best part of about an hour or so. Um, have a break and then come back and do some of the Q and A bits with the with those that we've just mentioned. So anyone that was there last time, hopefully, can endorse the fact it was good fun, good evening. You can meet other people that listen to the podcast, other boxing fans. You can make connections. You can meet the people. Which I think was a, a something that we hadn't necessarily, well, we certainly didn't plan for it, but it no. was it was a nice. Um, 
I don't know what you'd call like a residual add-on to the to the evening. And for actually, people. it turned out to be one of the most important things about it. Was yeah, that people met people. Yeah, there's plenty of people that came along that didn't have boxing friends, so to speak, and they made connections whilst they were there. Yeah, yeah. look, it's important because it's like I, I think back to Manchester particularly because I think I think that was almost a stage on the just a stage of maturity. And look, we had we had poor old Lauren Jones heading up from Wales. I'm like. Uh, you know, you're dreading like, oh my God, does she know anyone here? You know, and I was shitting it. But she integrated really well, man. Like you all seemed to get along with her, which was good. Um, she got along with all the other guys. And that, that's really what you want. You know, you want to put the faces and characters to the It's tweets, a community, isn't good. it? It's a community yes. that's, 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 I feel it's missing within boxing, but uh, certainly, yeah. you know, certainly could do with being enhanced. Anyway. So, so one of the asks I have, if you listen to this, well, it's, it's a twofold request. Number one, please get a ticket, come down by all means. And I'm not saying that from a selfish financial thing. That doesn't bother me. I just like seeing the people who I interact with. You know, it just, it, it, it makes all the difference. So please, if you can do so, also push it because the more people we get, the more of an experience it is for everyone. Everyone benefits if this sells out. Let's remember that. Yeah, yeah sorry to break it to you, Terry, <clears throat> but you're not going to make anything financially out of it anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the criticisms we got last time from people, like some of the faceless dicks that you get on Twitter was like uh, charging people to come to it. It's like, if you think booking a theatre yeah. is free, <laughs> you're an idiot, okay? Yeah. Can we have your theatre for a day? Yeah, no worries, mate. I'll book yeah. you in. So look, there are costs that we incur in doing this. Now, if we sold every ticket, let me break it to you. We'd make barely a penny because mm. we all have to travel there. We all have to yeah. buy drinks mm. and food and go to... We don't do it for the money. Just so we don't turn up here every Sunday to record it for the money because... Guess what? There isn't any. And we accept that. We've all got jobs that are sufficient for us as people to live our lives. We don't book a theatre for one night every six months and go, well, this is it. Our millions are made. Yeah, yeah. We just do it because we really, really enjoy doing it. As Terry said, look, if we can make this work on a, a semi-regular basis, then we'll try and make it bigger each time. And the bigger we make it, maybe the more interesting people that we can get along and keep getting interesting people. Yeah. It's, yeah, but it's on you guys to push it because there's three people around the table right now. And the, and the, the difference with this event is that when, you know, on the podcast um, before, you've heard Martin and Terry and they're saying, don't buy this sky, this, this box office thing. Don't put, don't tick the box for them. Don't do, you know, and you, I don't know about you guys, but I'm sitting here thinking, if I don't buy it, Four other four hundred thousand other people are going to do it. They're not going to care about me. This specific event, this your every single vote counts. It's not like we no, It's not comic relief. No, we're not. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, it's not like we have a theatre of seven million people. Yeah, it's 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 small. You know, we've, it's about 110, 120 we've not, people. Maybe. We've not gone nuts. We're not deluded into thinking we're going to sell out Wembley Stadium full of people, but. Given the response last time, last time we sold out six weeks before the show. That being said, make sure if if it's something you want to do and you want to come along, make sure that you don't leave it until we're we're sold out. And then we were getting messages. Oh, is there anyone I can get a ticket? No, because we're sold out. If anyone messages me saying how many tickets have we got, if I can find out at the moment, I'm struggling to find out. I'm not going to give you the boxer's version of it. You know how every boxer that's fighting has got a fight coming up going, tickets are nearly done. Oh, tickets are nearly sold out to every fight they ever have. And it's like, no, they're not. 
They never are. I'll give you an honest... If I can find out myself, I'll tell you exactly how many are left for it. Not a problem. Because, yeah, no, it's... Especially with these live shows, it's it's pushing it's pushing it's pushing the envelope really, and I think it's it's still at a place where it's not exploitative. It's not like you know it's a five thousand show, and we're just asking people individually for the sake of our own egos. It's actually <clears throat> you just want to be around people that you interact with on a daily basis, but we're actually like you know what? I'd rather do this over a beer so- or or some popcorn in the case of Uma. <laughs> so to recap that's the 26th of July um, it's in the, the school holidays too so when people okay. say childcare is in it no 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 it's in the school holidays so so you can leave make, your kids at home no matter how young they are that's fine <laughs> get, get back to blue flashing lights why did you leave your kids at home uh, it's a school holidays uh, Dr. Terry told me it was fine <laughs> yeah it's enough it's, it's like right, diplomatic immunity <laughs> so you can get the tickets from www.ticketweb.com .co.uk and we expect to have some on StubHub no more than 500 a day on StubHub <laughs> and the tickets are £12 plus I think a 10% booking fee so like £13.20 um, as I say look we we purposefully book venues that won't cost us a shitload if no one turns up but they're also not going to make us a shitload if everyone turns up they're just somewhere in the middle because we're not going to hemorrhage money for our own enjoyment, yeah. but we're also not looking to make millions for our own enjoyment. We're just doing it for our enjoyment and hopefully for yours. And that's the important thing that we're trying to get out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost tempted to tell you that if you want, if you wanted the tickets any cheaper, then you need to go and burn down the theatre that we were trying to get before. But I won't, just in case that actually happens. Don't, don't go burn in theatres, <laughs> whatever you do. Like that is no, really was, poor advice. <laughs> The just theater, generally, the, the other theatre just irritated me because we tried to get anyway. It doesn't matter. Don't what, burn. Theatres. <laughs> Carnage in London today as 10,000 theatres have been burnt to the ground. I love The Lion King. <laughs> oh, I'll be, no, I'll be gutted if you tear that down. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it'd be great if you can come along. I think that's probably enough pushing that. People are bored of it now. Yeah. Um, Kieran Nelson asks, with the top 10 featherweights on BoxRec all fighting someone else within that list this year, is it the most fan-friendly division in boxing? Also, which division is the most talent stacked? I think we've kind of answered that second question before, but far away. I think they've almost taken the World Boxing Super Series concept and just the promoters have done it themselves without needing the prompting. But there aren't that many massive names at Featherweight. You know, like outside of the top four, five... Adult babies. <laughs> um, there just aren't that many that are hugely of interest to people. So it makes sense that you all fight one another. Because that's where the money's going to be made. Is you know, look at Josh Warrington, Lee Settleby. Is that going to determine who's the best featherweight? No, no, not really. Um, so, but it makes sense financially as a fight to take place. <laughs> featherweight as a division, brilliant. Like it's good. Valdez is out now, so last night for Frampton was a, an interim WBO. Um, world title fight whilst Valdez's jaw gets stapled back together or whatever they do to it um, so yeah it's a good division but then you've got the likes of Gary Russell Jr Gary Russell Jr gets forgotten about um, never recovered from that Lomachenko loss which which, on reflection wasn't such a bad no. loss <laughs> no but I think it must have been a real ego hit to get beaten by a lad who's had like less than five fights or whatever it was at the time until you see everyone else fall over as well yeah like, oh, well you know 
Yeah. Um, so featherweight as a division, I'm a big fan of, and I like the fact they're fighting each other because it just stops the who's the best. Like, just get everybody in. Hopefully, you start getting unifications. Uh, Daniel Smith asks, uh, "Hi guys, what are your views on BT Sport box office?" <laughs> it's a natural progression, right? But I've seen the pricing structure they have, and it's fucking bananas. What is it? Like, isn't is, is, is anything from? But <laughs> 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 oh, look, look, they're looking to they're, they're looking to charge up to twenty nine ninety nine, and I'm thinking. If AJ Klitschko was 20 quid, what are you going to put on to justify the uplift of 990? So what's the bottom end? Oh, is, that, is it 16.95? Okay. Something like that. So so you're basically I'm, I'm like and so I can kind of see why BT are frustrated with Frank Warren because it's like we we they probably always needed a certain level of momentum and fan equity to put this pricing structure in place. I don't imagine this came up overnight. So to do that, you're really talking fights like Billy Joe v. Canelo, aren't you? Like I'd, You'd pay 30 quid for Billy Joe v. Canelo for all of the belts. You're like, okay, Yeah, thirty is uh, a push. 20. Yeah, depending on the undercard as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. but a face value, 20 quid, reasonable. Yeah. Whereas if you're going to give me like, Tyson Fury's comeback on pay-per-view, I'm like, I just won't watch it. I'm okay with that. I know he's going to win. So I'm not missing out on, I'm not missing out on a classic, am I? So I think that's the challenge that these guys are going to face is, well, how do you deliver a twenty nine ninety five or twenty nine ninety nine product? And Hearn hasn't cracked that yet because he's not stupid. Eddie Hearn realizes that if, if he puts the box office price up by that much, it only really benefits him. Let's say he gets a couple of quid out of a 10 quid uplift, right? Because Sky get half. Imagine the boxers get three quid. He'll get a couple of quid. So it's not worth him getting bashed for an extra couple of quid. So he's like, I'll keep it at 20 quid. We'll just increase the number of buys. I just think... But I think 30 quid, presumably, by the sound of it, is the the ceiling. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to use it. Um, remember they said that with tuition fees? <laughs> what, BT Sport? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Seems an odd input, but... Um, BT Sport are going to be running tuition fees throughout the UK in an unprecedented move. It's an odd one. I tweeted this the other day, and it stands true still, I think, that as they haven't got a consistently good product, and while they've still got Frank Warren pulling cards here and there, it seems really, really bad, odd timing to announce that you're going to bring in a pay-per-view platform when actually your regular standard platform is average. Average might be a bit complimentary. Perhaps, perhaps they think that it that is going to allow them to put bigger fights on in some bizarre... But, but So you, you have this inherent problem of in these organisations of empires. So the guy that runs BT Sport was Xbox Nation. So Frank kind of put him on. Like basically, Frank Warren put him on, which is why the deal's been able to happen. So there'll be people above going, you know what, that boxing product's garbage. But if they don't have influence over the direction the boxing goes in and the boxing already has its budget, there's not much you can do. So all of this stuff could just be happening within that very small boxing silo of, yeah, we'll just charge 30 quid without it being ratified by any other business area and only being signed off at executive level. And they don't have a clue about boxing. 
Okay, let's get back into some reviews then. Um, the sole reviewed, a reviewed fight will be Frampton Denial. The Frampton card. Look, but won't bef- before that, else. before that, can we just congratulate Luke Keeler as well? Because oh, a lot okay. of people didn't know who Luke Keeler was before yesterday. That's okay. <laughs> Am I going to find out soon? I, I, I wouldn't want you to be uncasual today. I think. Yeah, ca- no, it's true. Something. I'll just, I just won't listen <laughs> as usual. No, no. So, so. Luke Keeler is, I think he's Irish middleweight champion, and he boxed Conrad Cummings, who was, was he European? So, no, not, so, not real European. Uh, but kind of European Union, then. I think there's yeah. a belt like that. So, Conrad Cummings was part of the McGuigan's slash Cyclone movement with Carl, and they left together. So, he's still in dispute, I think, with the McGuigan's as well. But Conrad Cummings had built up a profile, seemingly on vapor and Conrad's a nice enough lad but I saw him inspiring and I've seen him get his ass handed to him I was right there I was involved in it <laughs> well you did it well I could have done but you know I still have my work clothes on so it wouldn't have been right it would have been real white collar boxing but no in essence he had he'd been well managed and well promoted up until that point so someone like Luke Keeler who is completely off the grid you know low profile in Ireland, beats him. But Luke's been around for a while. If you go back to the old Frank Buglioni pre-Don Charles videos, you'll see Luke Keelan a lot of the sparring clips there. So he he was the guy that used to keep Frank honest when he used to go down to so Ireland. Presumably with Packy Collins. and Yeah. Right. So class act now, right? And uh, this is boxing for you. The guy's just, I mean, Irish midway champion. We've got, what well, we've got Langford fighting for the British, Right. We've got Liam Cameron with the Commonwealth. Um, I'm sure one of us Brits will have a Europe- version of the European. Why can't these guys start fighting each other? You got like, Elliot Matthews is the English, I think. Yeah, why can't these guys start fighting? Yeah, but he's off to fight in, is it? Oh, where was he off to fight? Oh, he's fighting for the European title, isn't he? I think uh, it's the it's not the real European title. It's, it's, it's a, the yeah. EBU one, is it, or the EU one? It's it's very well marketed. It's that one. Yeah. Um, it isn't really it's not like Skeet Skeet's going for the real European title yeah and you know there's another example why can't you fight Liam Cameron that's because you're a British fighter you're going to be selling to British fans who probably know Liam Cameron more than they do Kukuri Kusodza whatever these guys are called man I don't really care so look middleweights there's enough traction there that these guys can all fight each other and if you get to a certain stage you can start calling out Billy Joe Saunders but Keeler can't start calling out Billy Joe now because he beat Conrad Cummings who you know was slightly overrated nice enough guy but was slightly overrated but we'll see Tommy Langford's about four in the world anyway with the WBO so uh, he can call out Saunders by all means well he deserves it (laughs) yeah don't be surprised if that happens that's legit (laughs) listen right get yourself in the WBO and just sit there yeah. Eventually enough people will drop out, you just get to the top. Yeah. So let's actually talk about Frampton Denair then. Um yeah, I can't really discuss the undercard because my streaming service wasn't working for any of it, so I ended up. That's not to even watch. fair, is it? I know, I know. Um but thankfully, you know, they did get it up and running for the uh, the actual Frampton Denair fight. So I did manage to see How it. many fights have you've paid for in the last two years? Uh <sighs> I could count them on a hand. <laughs> Dr. Hook's hand. <laughs> <laughs> and not the musician. <laughs> um, I, was listening to a, I was listening to another pod the other day talking about football. 
And one of these blokes is really bitter and cynical about football. He went, I don't know why people buy season tickets anymore. Football's rubbish. I said, if I didn't do this for a living, there's no way I'd pay to watch football. And it just reminded me of like, I can with boxing reviews, like I reckon Mark would say the same thing. But then I think to myself, there's been times you're like, this is a cracking fight. And I've said to you, so you're going to pay for it? And you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Now look, I haven't got a now TV box, so it's not like I can just go, right, here's a day pass yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like I'm not paying Sky for a month because Hearn's managed to scrape together one decent card in yeah. six months. Yeah, fair one. Um, so, yeah. Um, Frampton Donaire. There's an awful lot of hyperbole attached to this by BT Sport Box Nation about Nonito Donaire, a guy who was 36 years old, stepping up in weight, um, you know they kept sounds good already <laughs> now look the thing is if you took Nonito Donaire of 30 years old the 122 pound Nonito Donaire he was a phenomenal fighter he's just he's lost that you could see it last night he was slow to the punches he, he'd lost some of that either timing or speed or reaction I don't know which one or maybe all three I don't know he's 36 years old he could have lost all three like, I'm not saying lost as in like washed up, but he probably still beats quite a lot of featherweights out there. But Frampton showed that he still got... There's still something there for Frampton. He's still got that phenomenal footwork that he can get in and out. He can avoid punches with his footwork and not just through parrying, slipping, etc. But he also showed he can... I mean, he can he can work in close. There's, there was yeah. a lot of good inside work, particularly in the first half of he the He can fight. still pressure fight himself... Yeah. And he can still work off the back. What I didn't like in his first fight with Jamie Moore, whoever that guy was that he scraped through against, he sat on the ropes for so long in a fight. And there's nothing wrong with him sitting on the ropes, but he was doing it for like four or five rounds at a time. And actually last night, he'd sit on the ropes for maybe half a round and then come off and apply the pressure himself. And when he when he pinned Donaire into the corner on a couple of occasions and he let his hands go, you could see it was still there for Frampton. I don't necessarily think he's a big enough puncher for featherweight. I think that's a big problem for him. I think the problem, one of the challenges you have when you switch trainers is for for your first probably year or so, you're always caught between styles because you're so indoctrinated into the, we'll call it the Shane McGuigan approach. Which he was. Yeah. You can see it. And so, so Jamie Moore's probably taught him a shitload of stuff that he knows but he hasn't got the same level of confidence in that yet that it replaces his traditional motor patterns. Because there were bits you were watching it that you think that's very George Groves-esque in the way that he would jab, move, but leave the left hand out. And I know Frampton, you know, he's been doing that for a while, but he's been with Shane McGuigan a while. But yeah. it's the same it's the same movement. If you put George Groves and Carl Frampton side by side, that left hand stays out as they're moving out of distance. Well, yeah, because, I mean... I'm not giving you that territory easily. Like, you're going to have to walk through this. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? That's how you're going to get in. So we'll see. Um, yeah, guys, I'm going to be distracted for about 15 minutes, so forgive me. Um, <laughs> look, when it comes to Frampton, I think you've got to give it time with Jamie Moore. It's probably not this fight. It's probably not the next fight. The fight after that is when I want to see what Jamie Moore's added to Carl Frampton. But how many fights has Carl Frampton got left? Like... Four, maybe, tops? I think he's got another two years in him. Uh, if Because when you get to that age, you're now looking you know, you're now looking at legacy fights, aren't you? You're not going to unify the division, being realistic. So now you're looking at those legacy fights 
And so Jamie, being the guy he is, should know that he's just managing Carl's condition through the camp. So it's not about... Not adding. You, want to, it's just, you just want to manage him, don't you? So you want to say, look, you're a guy in your 30s. You've got a shitload of experience already. You've done so many hard rounds. We just need to work out when you've got a peak, when you've got a rest, and we manage that precisely so we don't add to the wear and tear on your body. But I think when you look at the options for it, I mean, the obvious one is the Selby Warrington winner. Um, and they meet in three weeks, two weeks at Ellen yeah. Road. And then once Selby's won and Ellen Road has been burnt down by the Leeds crowd, um, then Selby will move on and I'm sure do a job for, uh, I think him and Frampton. The problem is Selby doesn't generate numbers, doesn't generate interest particularly by his own admission. He said he's going to take like a carload of fans up to uh, Ellen Road for it. So he's reliant on other people to give him money fights. And Cole Frampton could be that person. A world title fight over in Belfast. I could see that happening quite easily. That is a that is a short, seamless edit point there where I've just stitched it together slash paused it for a bit. <laughs> um, but you were joining us live as Terry is uh, watching... Uh, protege, would that be fair to say? That? Well, yeah, what, young um, protege. Final of the super heavyweight ABA final. We're coming up to halfway through the second round. Young Courtney Bennett against Ches Nile. Cagey fight. Like I think this is one of those. We had a we had a chat last night where it was like, don't worry about looking good. You've just got to win. And it's tricky because he's facing a guy who he moves. He's consistent. He moves about 250 times in a round. So you imagine that's a guy's about 96 kilos moving around 250 times around, which is about 30% more than Joshua moves in a, in a typical round. So it's, it's a high work rate and it's, you know, Courtney's a big old lump. So it's how do you cope with that? So, you know, we, we had half an hour yesterday where we tried to pull the plan together. God willing, it, it happens today. Has, has AJ being so big in any way influenced people coming through boxing? Or has it made no difference whatsoever? I don't think it's made any difference. Courtney's a big guy. Like, he, he's just a big guy. You know, you meet those people who are just big. So, like, Joe Joyce is just big. What AJ's done is he said, you've got no excuse being out of shape. If you're a professional and this is your job, this is kind of how you should look. Right. Right, okay. Um, right, let's move on then to America. <laughs> uh, Terry, I accept you'll be a bit distracted. distracted You're but. probably going to hear Terry's commentary on another fight as we're talking about America. So, a letter from America. <laughs> um, right, Javonta Davis versus Jesus Cuella. Cuella? Cuella? Yeah, so, Javonta Davis, renowned almost as much for his ill-discipline outside of the ring as his talent in the ring. Just showed last mm. night again that if he turns up, if he's focused, if he's on point, he is probably the most exciting talent in any of the weight divisions. I mean, we're talking, he's in the same weight division, division as Lomachenko. How long before Mayweather throws him under the bus for that fight? Don't know. Um, but Javonta Davis is an exceptional talent. Exceptional. And he turned up last night and he hits. He doesn't waste shots. He punches to the body. He punches to the head. He's got variation. His footwork is beautiful. One of the things we didn't really mention about Frampton is he's still got that lovely footwork. He just, he pops in and out, pops in and out. And with Javonta Davis, so much of his defense is off his foot rather than off of parrying shots or blocking shots. 
He just doesn't have to because his footwork is so quick. He's just out of the way. When you throw a punch, he's gone. That's pretty good. It's so <laughs> like he's so good to watch. But then, as much as he's gone, he's also back in as quickly. So he'll just pop out, pop back in. And when he comes in, he's throwing a shot to the body. He dropped Quella twice, I think it was. Um, but to the body, just work the body, work the body, and then get back out. Some real hard, hard shots into the into the solar plexus. And you can see on one of them, it's one of those shots where Quella took it and then half a second passed. And then uh, it was like... Sank in, just how painful that yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm gonna, And it didn't look that bad at first. And then you kind of, you rewound it and you saw where it landed and with the speed that it landed. And mm. you're like, yeah, I can see why you went down there. <laughs> um, but Davis just... It was a reminder. I mean, they called him a two-time world champion last night. It's only two-time because he dropped the belt after he didn't make weight to defend it. Uh, and now he's won that same belt. But <laughs> so to call it a two-time world champion is, in the same way James DeGale is called it, is slightly disingenuous to legitimate two-time world champions. Um, I, I always find that odd. I, I, I get it that... No, I don't really get it. I mean, to say you're a... To say that to have that as like three time or four time, like Tyson Fury was talking about the other day, I'm going to be a two time world champion. Like, but you've had to have lost them to to become a champion or again. Or you can move up in weight or down in weight. That's fine if you were winning belts that way. But to say you're a two time world champion because you lost to your PE teacher opponent, as James DeGale did, or because you didn't make weight like Javonta Davis did, because you went on a cocaine fuel bender like <laughs> Tyson Fury did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah then that you know the, the genuineness of being a two-time world champion is, is debatable um but Javonta Davis to me he is one of the most exciting boxers out there and now that it looks like he's got his head back on um I'd love to see what he's going to do super featherweight so there's a Lomachenko possibility it still seems it's crazy really to say it seems early for Javonta Davis to take that fight. He's now a two-time world champion. He's had more fights, more professional fights than Lomachenko's had. Um, it's just if you take that fight, I don't really know what happens after that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But I just I really enjoyed watching him. I really enjoyed seeing that version of Javonta Davis. That was the version that turned up at the copper box and smashed Ryan Walsh to pieces. Yeah. Okay, um, from one ill-disciplined boxer to the complete opposite end of the spectrum, Adrian Broner, <laughs> Jesse Varga. No, I mean, that is brave. Let's give PVC their credit here for putting on <laughs> Javonta Davis and Adrian Broner on the same card. And Charlo. And Charlo. Charlo's a bit of a, a loose cannon as well. You know, loses $100,000 in a nightclub well, when someone uh, steals Just it. a quick question. Was that pay-per-view? Nope. The PVC card. And, and look at the dross we get for free. Yeah, absolutely. Put it in comparison. Although, we'll come on to who Charlo was fighting in a bit. Um, but Adrian Broner, Jesse Vargas, it was a really good fight. It was the Broner, not the Broner of old, the Broner that came up through the weight division, through lightweight. Um, but there were so many question marks about that CV of Broner anyway. Um, you know, taking Gavin Reese, for example, or going up and fighting Paulie Malinagi for a world title and an arguable win. Um, but give him his due, when he was coming up those weights, we were excited about him. He was a, a quality fighter. He showed he's still a quality fighter. He didn't go on the back foot like he did against Mikey Garcia. 
But he's never a welterweight, Adrian Broner. He's never a welterweight. He doesn't hold the power to hurt someone. So Jesse Vargas was who Kel Brook was meant to be fighting um, a fair few years back now when it all fell apart, I think twice maybe. Terry's on tenterhooks here. He's waiting on yeah. a decision. He really Ooh. is. You should see him. You're man. either going to hear an out an outcry of emotion of, of joy or or the air's about to go blue. I'm not sure which. There's a lot of tension in this room. He's cupping his own face. He is. In... He's barely able to watch. <laughs> the tension. I haven't seen, but I think Courtney Bennett didn't get the result. I thought he was about to tear my house to pieces then. I'm still not convinced he won't. What was the result, T? Oh. Went against him. That might be the worst scoring. I know Jamie Ingleby listens to this. That might be the worst. But do you know what? In the Super Heavies, there was another shocking decision on the Friday. But in terms of stakes, that was an absolutely shocking decision. Like, on what basis has Chez won that? I don't understand. Like, and here you go. Here's the frustration you have. And I know normally we talk about judging in relation to the big fights. But that's a small fight. That's the kid's future there. Like, he wins that he goes to GB. Did everything he had to do in the first two rounds. Third round, you know, you've been boxing for three fucking days. Everyone's just fighting on heart. But you can't win two rounds and lose the third. I don't understand how the fuck you lose a fight based on losing 30 seconds of a... F- this, is, this is ridiculous. He looks deflated now, man. I want to give you a cuddle, Terry. You have the side of the table. It's, uh... it's weird. And, you know, you live with this. Day in, day out, week in, week out. And, you know, there are guys who jump in the ring and they fight by all means, but there's a whole there's a whole infrastructure that sits behind them. Girlfriends, mums, dads, uncles, childhood friends, trainers. Um, everyone invests in this. And I'm not taking anything away from Chess. Chess showed up and he fought. And, and hand on heart, I think the army have the best boxing infrastructure in this country outside of GB. And they pulled they pulled a very strong team together, but that instant is the difference between a young man driving a Ferrari and a young man some potentially being a security guard on a door. And you've got a bunch of old fat fuckers in bow ties judging this that haven't fucking laced on a pair of pads or haven't done anything in the gym for fucking ages. And all of a sudden this kid's life could be ruined. Uh, it's 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 hard to cope with. I, I think I'll pull myself together in the next 10 seconds and do the podcast again, but it is absolutely hard to live with. All right, and we'll cover for Terry right now, but Musa. we'll go back. Adrian yeah. Broner, Jesse Vargas. Broner turned up more so than he has for the last 18 months of his career. But can I ask something? He's back. <laughs> did, here we go. Did you get the same sense I did in the first five rounds? I was like... This guy's just lazy as fuck. Because, yeah, yeah. because Vargas looked there to be taken out by someone like Broner. And much like Frampton, I'm like, you're caught between so many styles psychologically. You're, people tell you you're the next Floyd. Sometimes you try and be Floyd. But really, he's got that, I call it the DMV style. So if you watch guys like Jared Hurd, uh, the Peterson brothers, I think Roshi Warren's got it as well. All those guys from kind of Washington, D.C., Baltimore, or Maryland, and 
and Virginia. They have that kind of style. If you watch, they have this real offbeat step that they do. Like I remember the, the first guy I saw doing it was Mark Two Sharp Johnson. They always look really jerky when they walk. And Broner's got that as well, but he also tries to be Floyd. It's like, look, you've got to define your style and just box to that consistently. Because when he let his hands go in the second half of the fight... I was going to say, second half, he was uh, there. He was there. He was doing it. But he doesn't have that power at welterweight. He couldn't hurt Vargas particularly. Vargas couldn't hurt him. Um, And you think about who Vargas has hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was such a better Broner than has turned up for the last 18 months of his career. And you just think, if he didn't piss about with those last 18 months, that version that turned up for Mikey Garcia was an embarrassment. Um... If he had actually taken his career completely seriously and not ended up in jail in in all these stupid scenarios that he's he's kind of done for himself personally, then we could have had a much better Adrian Broner. And that's a frustration in watching it that I think we'd all struggle to get behind him in the same way, you know, we talk about Khan wasting large periods of his career. Just shove Khan and Broner in together now. Just be done with it. I think it just, just goes to show you what is required of... Um, a champion of the sort of quality of someone like, say, the Klitschko's or something like that. Not only have you got to be physically talented, not only have you got to be able to adapt mentally and be able to take on those skills, but you've also got to have the the right frame of mind to be able to be consistently focused instead of going off the rails. And and that's also a skill in itself, isn't it? Uh, yes, apart from they come from a better background, can <laughs> yeah. we put it that way, than Adrian Broner. So Adrian Broner, Javonta Davis, you're taking kids out of the hood um, and giving them lots of money, which isn't necessarily a good thing to do without the right advice and the right management. Klitsch goes, you know, they've they've got a good education behind them. They're more sensible people, I, should we say? I get that, but that's the same as like pretty much every sportsman in the Western Hemisphere. Like, yeah, yeah. You like give Wayne Rooney millions of pounds. He's a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> and he shags grannies. Well, I mean, but, come on, mate. It's but, not a wise thing to but, do. But isn't it, isn't it... So what they generally say is an indicator of wealth is whether you've had it before. So even if, even if you were born into not that much... If you've had a family legacy of wealth, you eventually tend to accumulate. Whereas if you've never had wealth, even if you get a large amount of money, you are likely to fritter it away. I saw a study actually on the other day that said something similar to that. That um, They were talking about um, new money. And within the study recorded that basically uh, people from a working class background that have obtained large amounts of wealth within two generations that money was lost. Yeah. <laughs> because there's a real skill in keeping hold of money. You know, there's there's a reason why in the old days, the blacksmith's son became the next blacksmith and his son became the next blacksmith. And that's how you built up expertise because you just pass, you pass down knowledge acquired through experience and then this guy doesn't have to make the same mistake. So you're almost refining the model yeah. and, and refining it down. But now as for Davis, now, because it's interesting, they're all down with, was it Kevin Cunningham they were down with in Miami? Which is a massive change because normally they have their camps out of the Bald Eagle gym in DC. So it was normally Mike Stafford, Barry Hunter, uh, Patrice Harris involved in all of that. And that's where Broner used to train. And I think that's where uh, Davis used to train as well. But, you know, too much drama at home so they all went down to Miami and you saw I think you saw improved performances when that's what happens when there are no distractions um, 
Jamal Charlo, Hugo Centeno. Centeno? Yeah, so Charlo, there were no questions answered in this fight that we haven't really seen out of Charlo because this Centeno was shitty. Like, this was a WBC final eliminator. I'm not sure, but eliminator, final eliminator. So it's for the right to, it would have been to face um, Golovkin, but God knows what's going on there now. They've pulled in some fucking welterweight or something to fight Golovkin. That's an entire mess for May the 5th. Violence Madarasi. Yeah, that's such a, I I don't know, that whole thing's falling apart. Canelo can suck my balls, frankly, on the back of that. Um, But there were better options out there. What I don't understand, May the 5th, you've got Golovkin looking for a dance partner, so they end up pulling up a a super welterweight for that that is going to get smashed. Let's be frank about it. Charlo could have just put his fight off a few weeks and gone and fought Golovkin because if Centino did nothing for him, um, Centino turned up looking like an accountant as well. He's got like, you know, Clark Kent hairstyle of like pure slicked side parties. Is it like IRS from the WWE? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pure money sl- ink. <laughs> slick Irwin Van Shuttle. Was it Irwin? Irwin Shyster. Yeah, and so this geezer turns up, and he's still got the same haircut as he's ironed out on the canvas, like three rounds, two rounds later. And it was one of the most disgusting piece of refereeing I've ever seen. Where this lad was fucked, like laying down. He's got his shoulder underneath the rope. He's on his back. He's out. You know, he's still twitching a bit, but he's out. And he's clearly not getting up. And the referee's over him. Six, seven, eight. You're like, just get his gum shield out. Get him on his side or whatever the protocol is in America and look after him. You don't need to be counting in his what face. Are those, um, what, what are they called when, like, they're, like, bloke, you lay on your back and they flick their legs and, like, you know what I mean? Like, flip up and Sean Michaels or The Rock something like that like when he's getting to eight and this bloke's still absolutely cold <laughs> just get him out no he's still got two seconds he to could do it no 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 who, who was it there's a video right and the guy gets dropped in sparring and shoots straight back up like that I don't know yeah so it can happen in very 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 rare circumstances yeah it was terrible refereeing but I don't think we learned anything about Charlo, other than he's a, a hellacious puncher, he he's a skilled fighter, but we knew all of that before last night. So I don't, that fight as an eliminator was pointless. I'd like to see him against Jacobs. I'd like to see him against Golovkin. Just go in at the deepest end there is. Uh, he, 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 I fucked Golovkin up. I, he, he, he talks to that menace. You know when he gets interviewed? Like, like Jim Gray's trying to get some conversations. No, no, I want Golovkin next. You got anything else you got to say? Nah, nothing else I got to say. But you know what's quite funny about it is that the name Billy Joe Saunders doesn't cross anyone's lips. He never mentioned Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, the Americans don't. They don't care about Billy Joe. Exactly. And I think that there's probably, um, you know, the whole Brexit society over here will probably say that's because they're scared of Billy Joe Saunders. They're scared Billy Joe Saunders did that to Lemieux. It's not. It's because he's irrelevant. He's irrelevant on the world scene. And as horrible as that sounds, it's not a critique of Billy Joe Saunders. It's a critique of the way that they haven't managed to make him a valuable commodity within... You know, look at his world title defences. They're terrible. Um, he hasn't got any decent names on that record. So see, they don't uh, care to, about it. No, so if, if someone had said to me that Billy Joe's run was going to be William Monroe Jr., David Lemieux and Golovkin, I'd just say that's a pretty good run. If someone tells me it's going to be Woody Monroe Jr., uh, 
Lemieux and Martin Murray. And I'm like, no, no, no. Let's no, not no. forget the Paisley Leisure Centre fight before yeah. that. Billy Joe's got some way to go. And like, here, here's the issue I have with Frank. Who, I have none. Who's he building? None at all. That, that's what my, my, it's Too always, bloody nice. It's always are, a man. question I have. Who's he building? I know I'm supposed to get behind Dubois and I'm supposed to get behind Anthony Yard and I try my best to do that. But, <laughs> but with Billy Joe, I'm like, you've had a guy who had a world title for, what, two, two and a half years? Yeah. Leagues? Somehow managed to hold on to that title despite not ever defending Fighting. it. For so so then I'm like, years. what's the fight? I wouldn't even mind if he fought like a Dominic Wade. Just just fight fight any of these guys at Golovkin's. Be just like Dominic Wade. I'm okay with that. Um, mate, Billy Joe, fight that guy that Golovkin's ducky. Who's the other kind of Eastern European sounding? Uh, Derevchenko. Yeah. Derevchenko. Yeah, fight I can't him. pronounce it, but uh, fight him. Welcome to my world. Yeah, honestly, like that's all Warren have to do because I don't think he's that expensive. Fight him and then go. This is a guy Golovkin ducked, and I'm taking him on. That's it. That's it. It was so endemic last night that. Um, there was no mention of Billy Joe Saunders' name whatsoever from Charlo. And it's like he's he's forgotten about it. He's a world champion, but he's such an irrelevance within it. I think, <laughs> like, if I'm Billy Joe Saunders, I don't want anything to do with Charlo. I don't want anything at all. I think he is a scary man. I think he, I think, I'd like to see him land those, <laughs> you know the, those shots he is landing? I'd like to see how Golovkin would take him. Because if you notice, with Jamal, he knocks well. He hurts a lot of people with the uppercut, and Golovkin is always open for an uppercut. Remember the Brook fight? Yep. And I have a feeling that that Charlo uppercut is of a different order of magnitude. So I'd quite like to see that because with Jacobs, Jacobs had the power, but he wouldn't engage. So he didn't really take anything out of Golovkin. Let's see if Charlo actually engages and is willing to take something out of Golovkin. That I would think- be a hell of a fight. Well, we say that, but if that's the first round blowout, we'd just be like, yeah, Charlo wasn't all that. <laughs> we, 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 do you know what? Yo, before anyone says anything, we call that podcaster's privilege. We have the right to say that. We have a right to be and wise. And you're not allowed to listen to this. To Once that fight's happened. Yeah, right. yeah. We're allowed to be wise after the event. <laughs> um, just something you said, uh, we were talking about earlier on, when the fighter's laying down the floor and he's counting above him. Is the referee... Can the referee just stop the fight? If someone gets ironed out, can he just go... Yeah. He doesn't have to give him a 10 count, does no. he? He can just go... The same oh. way he can jump in. Yeah, that's Like if someone's thought, getting yeah. battered. All right, okay. That's, it uh, was shocking refereeing. Horrible. Uh, Ali McKenzie asks, with all Frampton's potential world champion opponents at featherweight seemingly tied up one way or another for his August fight at Windsor Park, does his move to super featherweight... Does he move up to super featherweight and pursue a title there? Fight Gavante Davis. Why not? Yeah, I would love to see the, the battle of their footwork. They'd just both be popping in, popping out. Yeah. <laughs> because they never find each other. Warren clearly has that relationship. I think the Mayweather factor, if that's still relevant, takes it to a completely different level. If it's in the Northern Ireland, you know Conor McGregor might attack that bus too. <laughs> get out. Get out. Get out. You'll do nothing. You'll do Norton. Is he allowed out of New York yet, though? I don't know what the... Uh, uh, no idea. <laughs> but we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't discuss that, did we? Like, Thankfully. Who would have thought MMA would take it beyond boxing? Can you imagine Chisora did that? <laughs> um, no, I think that's a great shout. Javonta Davis, I'd love to see that fight with Frampton. But as I said, I don't think Frampton necessarily holds the power at featherweight. I don't think he needs to be venturing up to super featherweight where they could find a way in the middle. Um, his problem are his arms are so short. Yeah. 
But Frampton's arms are really short and he seems to have quite a long body as well, which isn't good against people who are good body punches because you can't protect it all. But shout out to Ali McKenzie, by the way. I know he's uh, working on a few projects over in Ireland. Hey, um, that's that. That's that, man. Get your projects. Projects it's not done. Jamaican. Hey, fucking hey. Like a Jamaican Aye. that was born to Russian and Slovakian parents Aye, fucking and brought that. up in Brazil. Aye, fucking that, man. <laughs> but went on holiday to Dublin for a week. <laughs> he come back. And said he oh, was Irish. Nah, say, say, say you. Say you, <laughs> Sorry to everyone in Ireland. They're probably everyone. not remotely offended. They're like, that doesn't even sound... That's not even close enough for it to be offensively bad. <laughs> I, I love where they'll be like, nice nah, from Straban, isn't um, who, so was yeah. the, who was the Irish guy that really hates you? The Seamus Campbell. Yes. Okay. Probably still does right now. Listening to. Yeah. I like Seamus. I was just starting to warm to him as well. Um, well, no, no, no. I talked up Luke Keeler. He's got to like me now. Sure. No, shout out to Ali because he's doing a lot of good stuff for local boxers and beyond within Ireland in a um, an environment where the press and the boxers aren't necessarily um, Fair encouraged coverage. to mix. And why would that be? Do you know? Do you know who's really been driving that, Martin? Martin Theobald knows. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, right, Dave McGinley. Speaking of Ireland, he's gone back to Ireland, isn't he? Our VIP listener. What to live? He's gone back to live in yeah, Ireland without 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 yeah yeah without, without consulting the pod. Yeah. What kind of decision making is that? Yeah, it's puzzled me if I'm completely honest. Um, Move back. <laughs> hey, we've decided. Get have your we, ass back here. Let's, let's right have a vote. Now, Does he move back to England? That's fucking it. Yeah. He... Well, take a vote around this table. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's three to one, mate. You Sorry, better move no. back. Well, we just moved to Ireland. No. You're not welcome. Yeah. After that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tyson Fury. The Tyson Fury fight was not mentioned yesterday by BT when they discussed Flanagan versus Hooker. And I'm pretty sure that Flanagan, the Flanagan fight was mentioned as an undercard uh, possibility for the Fury fight. Something isn't stacking up. I felt that on the day of the initial announcement. No, 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 so no, me, no, no. Hooker versus Flanagan is for Billy Joe versus Martin Murray on June 23rd. No, is it? I don't think you're right about that. Well, the original card, that was the original that card. That was the original, but they split it now. Have so it? that's gone up to Manchester. I'm sure they have. Mm. I'm a million percent sure. I'm going to go and bring up... Bo- you carry on. I'll bring up Boxerick. No, nah, but... Well, so we've got to touch on why Fury's not being mentioned. I don't think they've worked out how Sky Box Office will work yet. I think they've just put it out there and they've probably got IT guys going, okay, we need to test what scale we oh, can you, cope. BT Box Office. Oh, sorry, BT. Yeah. Apologies. Um, yeah, because look, look, look at what happened with ITV when ITV tried their their box office model and it just went tits up early on. So my question immediately becomes: How soon do you have people signing up for BT box office, or how do you actually just how do you activate it and those sorts of things? Yeah, Flanagan Hooker is June 9th in Manchester with Fury on the undercard, or be in the main event because no one gives a fuck about Terry Flanagan. Yeah, well, we don't know who Fury's going to fight. So it, what, what, you, look. If this was Hearn, we'd know what was going on already. That's all I'll say. Yeah, but he loves a TBC, doesn't he? Um, but it's oh, Tyson Fury, like for God's sake. I, po- I pointed this out, and then someone, right, I think it was Sam Khan, rightly pointed out to me, Ame Khan was announced without an opponent. 
They didn't announce Phil Greco for about another two, three weeks, which is a fair point. But then uh. who are you going to get for Fury, though? Uh, because we know how good Fury Skelton. is. Even, even now, right? Danny Williams. No, oh, God. Now, it'll have to be someone live, won't it? It's got to be, but will it be? I know what you mean. It has to be from our perspective. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I don't Who, know. Who's fought recently as a heavyweight? David Price. Because Tom, Tom Schwartz, who's ranked, fought yesterday. Otto Island fought yesterday, so they won't be ready for June. Um, but they're ranked fighters, so they would have been good to have. You couldn't rule out David Price. I know he's meant to be going for the European, apparently. Um, <laughs> despite, you know... Terry, for fuck's sake. Despite Matthew Macklin saying that he should hang him up. Matthew Macklin, the uh, the figurehead of MTK, I, I, his management team. Um, I, I don't understand. Like, I, I get the feeling that Price is in like a Roy Jones situation where he's being told to fight. I don't think Price really wants to fight. That's my view. I just don't think he wants to fight. But I was chatting with Dave Allen the other day and he was cause he's sparring with Tyson Fury day in, day out. I think for the next six weeks. he's Well, well every other day. I, cause when, I saw, yeah. when I saw him on Monday, he like, yeah, I was, I was sparring Tyson. Hello, mate. You want to tell us that when he went all right? I'm all right. Thanks. He he looked like he'd been like he'd been working hard. So we caught him just before he was off to train with with Steffe, Steffe. So yeah, he was saying Tyson. You know, he didn't give too much away, but he he said he would be shocked if he doesn't return to the level he was once at. Putting it that way. Yeah. But. Great, so we can look forward to him getting to a position where he could fight, I don't know, Wilder or Joshua or whatever, and then we can wait another two years whilst it marinades <laughs> right until Wilder's like 48 years old and Fury's like 42 years You're old. You're such a cynical bastard. Oh. What are you doing here? You just want... Uh, you just want you, <laughs> yeah, because I'd be so out of place, wouldn't I? <laughs> Get out. Get McGinley in. Fly him over. Yeah. Um, I forgot what the question was. Imagine it was someone like Antonio Tarr. Why is dug it, him out? Basically, it was uh, Dillian some... White going to fight over in America, and then they canned it. Oh, uh, Michael Michael Grant? Yeah, <laughs> get Grant over. What's Cassidis up to? Bring him up. Uh, who else could he fight? You could fight someone like a Fred Cassie, right? Because Huey fought him as well. Yeah, Cassie's a decent enough name. Lucas for Brown. Let's throw that out there. Oh. Yep. Lucas Brown. They had a, a thing a while back, didn't they? Um, there was some old IFL footage where the two of them were clashing. But they're also mates. <laughs> I could see it being Lucas Brown. Um, they, or, or I still think Chisora. As, as a favour to Chisora, possibly. Yeah. Because I've said, I said, someone said, who do I think Chisora will fight this year? I said he'll fight someone like a Wilder or a Fury. I, I, I just think there's a big fight in Derek because he... You, it's, it's, when it's I a, mentioned it before, you was like, nobody wants to see that again. No. No, you're right. No, I don't, no, I don't no. want to see it again. No, but, but in terms of getting you relevant, making sure someone you respect gets, gets a good paycheck, making sure you eat well, making sure that BT Sports... It's a name. It's a name. And let's face sense. it, it doesn't matter who's in that opposite corner. We will all watch it to see what Fury turns up. It doesn't matter who's in that other corner. It does from a sense of... <laughs> we can take a gauge as to where Fury is based on who that opponent is. But in terms of viewer numbers, it doesn't matter because we'll all watch it. 
What does um, what does Fury actually have to do to to prove that he's at the same level? He has to win his world titles back. Yep. He has but to I, win his world that's titles. That's the level back. he was at. Fighting no, but, a big stiff <clears throat> idiot for the titles, but you and then you've got to do I mean, it again. Day one, fight, day I mean, one's irrelevant. That first fight, what can he do? It's just, irrelevant. It's a. Fr- it's yeah. going to be similar to Khan in a way that, like, just get him back in the ring and then worry about it. Right. Uh, then McGinney asks, "Did Sky slightly shoot themselves in the foot by trying to compete with BT last night? Because um, it highlighted the uncompetitive fights." Um. Yeah, but how many people were flicking? If you said a hundred people were watching the boxing, it's probably fair to say, I don't know, sixty were still watching Sky and forty BT Box Nation because viewers, most of viewers that they've picked up from the Saturday afternoon football or whatever's on Sky, it was FA Cup semi final weekend, so I don't know what was on. Um, but most of them, oh yeah, you do, you do. Oh yeah, shit. And uh, Andy, does he know? What, he knows, doesn't he? He knows what was on yesterday, doesn't he? Yes, <laughs> FA Cup semi-final. <laughs> Wenger in, Wenger out. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, no, he's such a legend of our club. Oh, no, get him out. Oh, no, right, right. There's no distraction tactics here, man. Like, <laughs> like, like, you, had, you had one job to do yesterday in your home stadium. It's not a home stadium. Our home stadium be ready next year. We're just borrowing it. We're renting. You've, you have, you've had how many months to get used to that? And all of a sudden... A bunch of manks show up. All right, wait until Burnley finish above you. Then we'll oh, talk. Yeah, a, bun- a bunch of mank mugs. Ooh. Wait till Burnley finish above Arsenal. Then we'll talk. You saw oh. the scores today. Not in the season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get rid of the dead wood. Look at that. So what? What really baffled me yesterday? I, I don't know whether Warren put the Frampton card purposefully late. Or whether it is just his genuine... On, he's got form for the set. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's just his disregard for fans getting home or whatever, which is standard for London shows. But Frampton Donaire didn't start until 20 past 11. That's disgraceful. For a fight that was always quite likely to go 12 rounds. 20 past 11. You're looking at getting out of there. Half 12, quarter to one if you're in that SSE arena in Belfast. Sweet. And so the, the main events avoided clashing, so maybe that was Warren's intention. But I don't think the vast majority of people that watched Amir Khan would have gone, oh, brilliant, I can now flick over to Frampton versus Donaire. They won't have, because most people just have Sky Sports on. They're not yeah. watching it necessarily because it's the boxing on. So it's, uh, to put it on so late would be stupid if the intention is to avoid that Amir Khan. Well, You're not- well so, so I think there, there are two ways you can look at that, right? If... Let's say you finish watching Khan LaGreco. You start tweeting. You go, oh, like, right, it's Frampton, Donaire next. And you're like, oh, shit, may as well watch it. I yeah, think, for I you think, and I, we will. But for the yeah. vast majority, people won't. <laughs> and, and I don't know how you break that. No, because BT Sport isn't as ingrained to people as Sky yeah. Sports is. And that's a simple problem. Like, that's just a fact. I don't know how you stop that from happening. Yeah. Well, unless you take all of the football onto BT Sport, drive people to that. But, come on, I mean, their priority isn't the boxing. It's quite clear. It's quite clear. Their priority, as per Sky, is is the football. But if you can get people in the Saturday afternoon whereas, keep them. Whereas Sky look at boxing now, especially now that they've got AJ as a strategic asset. So it's like we can kind of offset some of our other spend because we're getting 40, 50 million in from these Joshua fights, if you see what I mean. So, so that's why Sky will never relinquish boxing. I'm going to put a theory out here that by 2022, 
football will be pay-per-view on Sky. They tried it before, didn't they? Yeah. For big will, games, big Premier League yeah, games. Yeah, so like big games, like all the Arsenal games will all be pay-per-view. <laughs> whereas, whereas Tottenham, Chelsea... Arsenal, Northampton, Arsenal, yeah. Accrington, Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we, all I mean, the big games and then saying the word Arsenal. Brilliant, Terry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, so they'll all be paid. Got a manager. The fact no, that no, Brendan no, no, Rodgers, have... Brendan Rodgers, was in the top five uh, favorites to take over your club. Oh, I love that. I love that. So there's a man that lived through Van Hal. Okay. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm surprised you didn't bring up Moyes. He was worse than Van Hal. <laughs> <laughs> Moyes is still there, technically under contract. And, and I think you would, and look at what we did to a Moyes team. So you know, oh, well you've got done. all that to well come. Well done. Mate. You beat West Ham. No, we we won't, man. Like you know, we might just take Pochettino. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what he said? He wanted to manage at a bigger club, so it was either us or Leighton Orient. Yeah, maybe he wants to manage at a Champions League club next season. Won't be going to you. All right, enjoy your final year. (laughs) 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 This is oh, where are we? We must be near the end, didn't we? We've just turned into a football podcast for five minutes. Have you anything else to say? Oh, don't think I've got any more questions. Uh, no, MTK show next week. Uh, Dan Aziz is on. So that's the only reason I'll be watching. Got a lot of love for Dan. Um, it was, look, and I keep saying it. In the, in hopefully the months and years to come, we'll be talking about Dan Aziz boxing. Andre Sterling has been one of the best fights we've seen. So I'm looking forward to that moment. Uh, what else has been going on in the world of boxing? Um I want to say congratulations to Hannah Robinson, ABA champion at 60 kilos. Um, living proof that you don't need to be on Instagram every day showing that you're going running to win a title. She had shoulder surgery at the tail end of last year. And I remember asking her, Jerky, you make the ABAs this year? And it was touch and go. So. <laughs> what was their song called? Which one? touch and go will you go to bed with me and i didn't ask someone out there someone out there will be on my wavelength right now a lot of people won't be (laughs) will you go to bed with me that's the one yes i know the song (laughs) there you go look you're all clicking in now yeah fucking hell that was going back that's like teenage i've dug that out of the fucking mind somewhere no but useful stuff i've forgotten in life and the and the great and the great thing about (laughs) And I always say, imagine like something really important happens. You're like, oh fuck, I forgot. And and this right, but you remember. (laughs) This is when the podcast gets very Milton Keynes right now. (laughs) This is a Milton Keynes moment. You're back, Terry. Terry. Hannah Robinson. No, congratulations to Hannah. It's always good to win the ABAs and have names on your route to the final because that kind of validates that you've done it the hard way. So she beat Shannon Courtney in the semis. Which, if anyone knows, there's been a lot of buzz around Shannon. I think she's endorsing either Sports Direct or Lonsdale directly. Lonsdale. Um, she's been doing a lot of work with Adam Booth as well. And you've got Hannah Robinson from up, I think she boxes for Bertley, you know, up in, it's like Washington Way, near, it's in the Northeast. I don't want to get exposed for getting my geography wrong. And I just think Hannah, I, you know, as a human being, I really like Hannah, girl next door but absolutely fierce and focused in the ring. So congratulations to her. Be interesting to see if she makes it to the GB squad for Tokyo 2020. I just think if you give her a year in an elite environment, you've got someone that can compete. I think she's she's special in the sense that she clearly has that will to win and you can't you can't coach that. 
Uh, yeah, final, I forgot to mention earlier, one of the things we lined up for the uh, live show is Ricky Wright, MC Ricky Wright, um, who's kindly volunteered to come along, suit up and introduce people to the stage. Just as we kind of alluded to earlier, we kind of looking to make this into almost like a boxing event for people. Not in terms of people fighting, please don't. Um, no Lithuanians. <laughs> We can't guarantee that. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, let's make it into something of a special evening. So shout out to Ricky Wright for offering to do that. It's brilliant of him. Yeah, yeah. Makes it more of like a community... Uh, make, makes it more of a community occasion. No, it doesn't make it a community occasion at all with Ricky Wright coming out and... Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Tune. Thank you very much. Appreciated. You know, this is the point where Rob Martin turns off. I think everyone's turned <laughs> off. What? Just skip to the bit that I was on about. Oh, I don't know where it is. I don't listen. This could go on for a long time. I don't think... He's got the 12 inch version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to. Rewind this, go back to the point I made that reference. And if you play in parallel, you'll be able to hear. Like... You'll know what I was on about. Yeah. You'll know what I was on about. <laughs> Okay. I might not be here next week. It's my daughter's birthday next Sunday. So uh, I'd expect you to be there. Well, I'll be there during the day. I don't know if she needs me during the evening. She's oh, three years old. Well, she ain't going to notice. When the beers come out. So, Dad, <laughs> she'll, we, be we, with your teeth, she'll be smashed by the end of the night. Yeah. So, it's pure. So, I may or may not be here next week. We'll see. Okay. Can you imagine a drinking game that's playing snakes and ladders? She's a bunch of three year olds, like, go and neck it. <laughs> Right, we really have gone off the rails. Yeah. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, as we've said at length during this show, uh, get on board that's with that's the that's live that's show. That's I want to go home and cry. Um, check us check us out on Twitter. Oh, right, I'm going to work. Yeah, thank ticketweb.co.uk for the tickets. Thank you. Bye. I'm gonna get it up, 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 get it